everybody. Welcome back to the Prospecting Show. Today is November 4th. Uh, the election here is uh, being counted out for today. Not that we're political on the show, but it'll be interesting to see what's going to happen. And we are officially six days away from the one-year anniversary of the Prospecting Show. So it's kind of exciting. We're trying to get everything uh, dialed in here to release 100 episodes uh, within 365 days. And we have today on the show, Lori Barkman, who is a client in Syntax. And she has a very unique uh, story because she comes from a corporate space uh, originally and now is running her own show. So to, to kind of kick off the show, welcome and tell us a little bit more about your story. Where did you start and how did you get to where you are today? Connor, thanks so much for having me on the show. It's really exciting to be here as you count down to your final episodes. And you're right, today is an auspicious day, the, the day after the big election, and we still don't know who has won. And I guess, yeah, that's maybe a, a good way to kick off the who I am part is I'm somebody that has just strived for growth and um, improving myself throughout my entire career. And I started out in human resource management. I went to Cornell undergrad and got an amazing degree. What do I do with it? And I thought about it. It's the psychology of business is how I would describe human resources. And that has helped me throughout my career, really understanding people, understanding what motivates them. And then how do you, how do you move forward as a team? And that later paid dividends for me in my marketing career, because it's the same thing. What is marketing? Marketing is the psychology of business. How do you get people motivated to take an action and do something? And I spent about 20 plus years in marketing from startups in technology startups, you know, employee number 20 kind of environment to billion dollar plus environments, publicly traded companies. One of my favorite roles was at American Eagle Outfitters. I was part of a corporate startup team for the e-commerce business, which if you have shopped there around the world is uh, AE.com and apparel for, uh, it's a lifestyle brand. So that was an amazing experience. And essentially being on the forefront at that time of digital transformation of mature companies. And that has stayed with me since. So my career uh, had continued to grow it to the point where, you know, I my, my vision coming out of getting my master's degree, I should mention I got my master, my MBA kind of in between everything. And my vision was to one day run a company, whether it was my own or whether it was a bigger company. And that that vision of mine came to fruition with, uh, with an, a role that I had to run a hundred million dollar plus business. I had P&L responsibility for a business that had two e-commerce channels plus a direct selling and it was in the retail space we would buy and sell on the secondary market and it was a quite a large comprehensive business we serviced the largest retailers in north america and that was really really incredible and as as incredible things go a lot of times you have transitions whether they're planned or not and that company was bought by fedex so here i am uh, now a officer of FedEx, which is a global brand that everybody hopefully knows and respects. And so that was an amazing experience to go through that due diligence process and be a part of the management team that was acquired. And after that, really, I started to think about my next. And at, at that point of where I was, I still I wasn't ready to retire. I wasn't ready to to leave uh, employment of, you know, by someone else. But I really started to think about what I wanted to do in my in my next. And I had created this firm. My firm is called Small Dot Big. 
And uh, I'm sure one of your questions is going to be why I named it that, but we can we can jump to that in a moment. But I created Small Dot Big ten years ago, and I was just never really ready to work in it full time. I just I had that mountain climber mentality. I was still going to grow, 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 but I was growing with others and you know employed by someone else. And then I reached a point last year where I was just really ready to do my own thing. And be independent in a way that I had never done before. And as a career marketer, it's been so rewarding, Connor, to, to look inward for the benefit of my clients. And that's the really the, the motivation behind Small.Big is I work with business owners to enable them to grow the value of their company, plain and simple. It's, uh, it's easy to say, hard to do. And we do that through innovation, we do that through growth initiatives, we do that through planning. So ultimately, if this biggest asset that they have, their business, which they're so tied into, one day they aspire to transition ownership. And it's not tomorrow, I work with them over a period of time to help get them ready for that goal. So that's what I do today. Yeah, and, and here here's the part that I think is really interesting about you is that you you come from the corporate space with that transition into that small business, like running something front to back yourself. So what what would you say for the for the people who listen to the show, right? Because there's a ton of entrepreneurs that listen to the show. What has been the thing that you found most difficult about going from a corporate environment to an environment where you're doing everything? What what's that transition like? <laughs> The transition's been really interesting. It's been great though, because again, for me with a digital marketing background, I mean, I had teams of people that would do stuff, right? Or we had agency partners that would, would work on our behalf on social media, our websites and generating messaging and content, all this amazing stuff. And, and now as a solopreneur slash person with great, you know, partners around, around me, uh, like yourselves, uh, at Syntax, I, I've had to learn a lot of really new things, but that's been awesome. I, I've been in the right headspace to learn it and get hands-on with it. And I'll tell you what, what sort of prepared me back, I think, the back and the forth between really large companies and larger teams and large budgets with small teams and very small budgets. I like to joke that in my marketing career, I've managed uh, budgets from $100 million to $100. And, and one of those numbers is, is kind of a joke and it's not the 100 million. Um, I, I mean, it's, and so when you have that size budget and you can do so many amazing things, and then you go to the other side, which is really that challenging budget. Again, I'm joking at $100, but it's, um, it really makes you focus. It really makes you think about the ROI of your of your time, not only your money, but your time. And so as a person who, let's say I'm, I'm not the most capable, but I'm fairly capable, I've had to challenge myself with really, how do I spend my time? And as, a, as someone who knows what I should be doing, uh, challenging myself to do it, I'm in a constant state of refinement, which I think is good. I, I believe in testing and learning and seeing what you put out there and what you get back and then refining. And so having a little more of a control of the dials myself has been really good from a time to market standpoint, because as I, as I have more conversations with business owners, I learn every time I talk to them, I learn and then I adapt accordingly. And I'm also a, 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 an avid uh, reader of 
looking at LinkedIn and, and social posts and what people are saying, and and I and I adapt quite nimbly and in, in an agile way to my own uh, go-to-market process. So even though I've been in these really big environments, because I've been in small companies and I've and I know what that feels like now as this much much smaller team, I, I think that my ability to adapt, um, I was kind of training myself for it in a strange way. Yeah, well, and and I think the part that that uh, deserves some recognition is really the the component of moving from the corporate space into the individualistic business, right? Because you start wearing all these hats and you start learning things from different people and you learn how to scale and learn how to sell and learn how to run ops and finance. And not that, you know, people that are in, in jobs don't learn that, but people who run their own company definitely have to know that, right? So there's that transition of not only are you doing something brand new starting from zero, but then you also have all these other responsibilities that when you're in a role for a large corporation, it's just like, oh, I didn't even think about we had to do that like oh i gotta do payroll or oh i gotta actually file taxes or like <laughs> you know like right. there, there's some of these right. like random things that you have to do that when when you transition over and in, into the the solopreneur or small business lifestyle game it it's a little bit different and and so the the growth strategy there is 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 also different because you're working on a budget that's not 10 million dollars in marketing a year right or or 50 million dollars or whatever the, the the big brands have so we, we talk a lot about, you know, not necessarily just on the show, but within our business about direct response and really getting to the brass tacks with people as quick as possible. Because at the end of the day, it's like, if people have problems, if you have a solution for them, you know, let's execute, let's do it. So what are the kinds of problems that you solve for other businesses today? I, I totally agree on the direct response, by the way. I, I believe in brand marketing, and I think brand sets the tone for the who you are and generating awareness and generating a trust and likability, and, and that certainly sets the stage. Um, for other parts of the funnel, I think it's important, you know, for your question of what are the pain points, to understand what those pain points are, and, and talking to your potential customer is a great way to do that. Uh, not, there's no substitute for that. And, and by the way, I forgot to mention, I do teach an entrepreneurship class at Carnegie Mellon University. And that from a methodology standpoint is also really helpful because it forces me not only to have a methodology of what I do with my own clients, but also in the academic setting, to understand how it's used, you know, with students, and and I and I really see that role as a, you know, from an instructor standpoint, really as a as a mentor to the students. So anyway, back to the pain points for from a client perspective, especially now where we are in 2020, I think a key a key pain point is rebuilding business value. Owners that have and it varies by industry, of course, but there's a lot of business owners and in various industries, uh, whether it's retail, hospitality, whether it's uh, consumer services, professional services, a lot of these businesses have been really nimble and I give them a ton of credit of how they've transformed to a digital platform very, very quickly. I think now it's gonna be, after now they've stabilized for the past six months, the next, the next challenge for them in 2021 is around well what what continues forward and and so facing market disruption is another key challenge whether that was happening because of the covid pandemic where that got intensified and accelerated or even prior to that there's many uh, businesses that were feeling the pinch of technology where they maybe they're in a traditional environment manufacturing 
or in another industrial space or a family business that's just, again, been around a really long time and they, for what's been working for them has been working and they have not yet had the need or the impetus to change. And so that dynamic of you know, facing customer and market vulnerabilities is again, motivating them to, to think differently about their business. And then lastly, uh, a pain point that they may start to think about is transition of ownership, of leadership, so company succession. And I have a podcast called Succession Stories where I talk to business owners about this issue. And it's a big part of Econor's readiness. There's a financial readiness, a personal readiness, and a company readiness. And so my role in this ecosystem with other advisors to talk to owners about business transition, I don't like to call it exit because I can't assume the answer is to sell. The, to, essentially, they could sell to a third party, they could sell to a management team. But a lot of times in these family closely held companies, it might be a transition to a family member to the next generation, which I find so fascinating because then the cycle starts over. When the next generation takes over, what do they do differently? Are they going to keep doing what they've been doing? And for all the reasons I just said earlier, if they keep doing what they've been doing, that does not necessarily predict future success. So that's in a nutshell, I think what the pain points are. Yeah. And so, so when you look at, you know, you get into these conversations, you talked a little bit about succession planning, right? And moving from one generation to the other and passing the business through to, to the kids or whatever, whatever that process looks like. Do you find that most people are adapting fast enough right now? I mean, COVID's obviously created this, you know, it really separated the top from the bottom, right? It really pushed on people to say, hey, if you don't change, we're going to take care of you, right? Like the, the world is going to just take care of those problems, right? It's going to separate all those people out. So are you seeing yourself that a lot of these businesses have already figured out how to adapt or are they still sitting on the fence where they're like, I don't know what to do, but I know I need to do something different. Well, the people that I've spoken with have taken action and these actions are not getting them back to the revenue or profitability levels they were at previously, but they are taking action and I give them a lot of credit. For example, one is a travel, uh, a travel services firm and they have corporate clients and they have consumer clients. And you can imagine universities, right? Sports teams, they're not traveling anymore. They're not doing the, the charter plane and the buses, right? And so what she talked about with her firm is she didn't stop talking to clients. She didn't stop advising. So people were traveling, even though it was a lot less, and she provided services to them, uh, especially in the beginning of COVID, to, to help them get money back from the airlines and managing all of that. And then advising now on which states and what the rules are and you know for travel and countries and so forth. And then also what she discovered was that people wanted to travel domestically. And so they started to do more uh, within the U.S. RV types of destination trips and really coming up with innovative ideas of how to keep clients engaged and, and maintain relationships during the pandemic. That's one example. Another example would be another services firm. They are in the online advocacy space for uh, co community nonprofit type of organizations to help get attention from constituents um, to, to get either government funding or, you know, crowdfunding, if you will. And they started to do more 
services online that they you know, used to be. You'd go in person and maybe lobby um, and talk to talk to representatives of the government. Well, they weren't doing that anymore. Or you know, to get advocates, you were having a, an in-person event. Well, that wasn't happening either. And so they started to get creative and they made advocacy days, digital advocacy days. And so they just started to pivot a little bit and they're in that testing mode. And at, they're reaching a point where they're gonna productize that as a service going forward. So what I'm seeing is examples of, hey, let's try something new. We haven't done this before, but we're getting we're getting uh, feedback from the market that this might be a value. So let's try it and see how it works. And and so for a lot of small companies, that feels that feels a little less risky. You know, nothing is risk free, of course, but they don't have to put a lot of resources into it and they can try it and see how it goes. Yeah, well, and I think that's the part that is is really important is this kind of split testing opportunity, right? There's there's these different problems that have came up. Some businesses have fully adapted, some haven't adapted at all, some are kind of on the fence and working through it. What you said is totally true. Everyone's taking action, right? People are working from home. People are closing up their their corporate offices in New York City because they're like, hey, we don't need to spend fifty thousand dollars a month for a, you know a few office spaces or maybe you know a million dollars a year for a whole floor, whatever it is, right? Um, they're really transitioning away from the cutting the things that don't matter anymore because we're able to globalize a lot faster. So with the small businesses though, right? Not these big Fortune 500 kind of Fortune 5000 type companies. With the small businesses, what do you think the number one thing is that they should be doing every single day? Talking to customers, absolutely. And, and staying informed about what competitors are doing. It's not that they need to be following, but I think it's important from a understanding of what's out there and how to be nimble. And and it's not even competitors. I'm just a big fan of benchmarking in general. There may be others out there that are doing new things or doing things differently that are not in your industry, but they might inspire you to do something different. So I think looking outside of your four walls at this point, again, where we are um, with the pandemic, hopefully all the the financials and the balance sheet and the operational needs have been addressed. If not, that's where they should be focused and making sure their employees are feeling good about where the business is. Um, so I, I tend to look outward first if the inward's feeling good, but that's not to say they, they, they shouldn't be spending that time still checking in with their teams because look, this has been a tough, tough year in a lot of ways and we're headed into the new year. We still have some uncertainties. We don't know what the market's gonna do. We don't know what the pandemic's gonna do. People are feeling uneasy and it's not, you know, a lot of people are not thriving. And so in order for your business to thrive, I think you gotta be checking in with your, with your constituents, whether they're, they're your employees, your stakeholders, you know, your shareholders, your, and certainly your customers. Yeah, well, and, that, and that's kind of a big, big deal, right? We talk a lot about within Syntax and our company, and, and I kind of joke with Keith, or, and for some of the people who listen to the show, they won't actually know who Keith is, but Keith's a, a business partner of mine in Syntax, and we have Sports and Healthcare Solutions together, which is another uh, company that I consult for that he runs. Um, and our biggest thing is this, right? We tell people all the time, the number of new people you talk to every day is proportional to your growth, 100%. Right. If you talk to zero new people for the whole year, you will have zero growth. 
it is very unlikely unless you're selling only to your existing customers, right? But if you talk to 5, 10, 15, 20, maybe even 30 new people every single week, regardless of how you get them, if it's Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, phone a friend, go through your phone and look at your old eyes, whatever the source is, it doesn't matter. But the number of new people you speak to every day is directly proportional to the number of people you can help, which is directly proportional to how much growth your business has. And, and so I think what you're saying is absolutely true. You got to check in with your existing customers and make sure they're doing a great job and, and your team, if you, if you have a team and you're not you know, a solo entrepreneur and checking on how they're doing, but you also have to meet new people. So what would you say from your perspective, again, going from the corporate side to, to this like on your own, running the show kind of thing, what do you think the hardest part about meeting new people is and turning that into business? I think it's hard all around. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I'm an extrovert, so I don't mind the process. I don't mind the, the, the twists and turns of all of this, but I've been learning that it's okay to fish in a couple of different ponds. And I've been part of, I've been fortunate to be part of a couple of virtual networking groups. They used to be in person and they went virtual. And then the more I started to really hone in on who I think my uh, best fit client is, I'm realizing those probably are not the right groups for me. And I've had to think a little more purposefully about what I'll call my referral ecosystem. And that was the other reason why I developed the podcast was the show. I don't monetize the show through advertising or sponsorship. I monetize the show, hopefully to reach business owners who may want to work with me. And also because I'm activating a highly curated referral network. And these are other professional services firms. We're in a complementary space. And that's, you know, that's the power of that, of that group. So I think the referral network's really important. And it used to be you go meet for coffee. Now I think it's more acceptable, which is frankly so much easier to just meet online and meet on Zoom. So that's a big part of it. I think about the one-to-one and the one-to-many. I have done some conferences where you go into a breakout room and those have been okay. I don't, I don't personally feel like that's my jam. I don't feel like that's super, you know, working for my pipeline development. I think what's, what is yet to come for me, and I'm challenging myself to do it, is to put myself in my own one-to-many situations, like hosting webinars and, you know, continuing on to offer things of value for a minimal threshold of cost and having a range or suite of services and offerings to business owners that meets them where they are. So for example, and I'll create funnels for each of them. So for example, if they are interested in the kind of do it yourself learning mode, I have uh, licensed a wonderful curriculum from the value builder system, which is uh, proven out with like 55,000 companies over time. And so for me, I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. I licensed that that curriculum and I'm going to be offering that on my website. If people want to get that on-demand learning, they can do that. And that's one example. And also for free, that there's some stuff for free, like my podcast, etc. And then I'm going to also be offering, and I am offering small group coaching sessions. And so if you've done the uh, maybe the online platform and you're looking for a little more uh, of accountability partner, but you kind of need it in a maybe bite-sized you know, way, these monthly sessions are going to be designed for you. And so that group coaching also from a price point standpoint might make sense for the smaller, uh, the smaller business and either time or money, either one of those factors. 
And then the other thing that I offer is one-on-one -on -one coaching. And so this might be larger companies where the CEO's owners have a little more complexity to what they're doing. And they're looking for me as a business advisor and coach to get you know undivided attention on their issues and help them process those issues and think through solutions. And then what I do also is, is strategic planning, strategy planning for any size company. And that's more of an annual process uh, that I also continue from an accountability standpoint on a quarterly basis. So all put together, Connor, it gives me a suite of offerings at different price points and at different levels of time commitment from the client to meet them where they are. And I'm super excited about that. Yeah. So, so to kind of wrap things up, right? So I want to keep this episode kind of short and like to the point and, and really focused. Tell us one more time about the ideal customer for you, who you can help, and then how they can reach out to you to actually get that help, whether it's a phone call or your website or whatever you want, but how can they actually reach you? So who are your ideal customers and how can they reach you? The ideal customer for me with small.big is someone who owns their own company or they are a senior executive like a CEO in a, in a closely held firm, any industry, but it could be consumer, business services, it could be an industrial environment, it could be a technology environment, logistics, transportation, you name it. I've worked in a variety of businesses. I'm talking to someone now in energy. So the process that I follow really can be uh, cross cross industry. But I, I think more important than that is that they have a they have a desire for change. They have a desire for innovation, for growth, and they may need to augment their team or just have a thought partner to help them process issues that they're facing and come up with a roadmap to do so. For, for business owners that at some point are thinking through a future transition of ownership, uh, I also work with them on, on that. And so it's about growing the value, maximizing the value of the company. And we focus on all the things I just mentioned to help them do that, as well as operational focus things. So it's the top line, but more importantly, it's the bottom line. And so for folks that are looking to work with me, one of the things that I'm offering is um, is these small group sessions, which information about that is on my website, smalldotbig.com. And also, if they want to take that next step to understand where their company value is today, based on statistical benchmarks of the industry that they're in, I am offering a free value builder score, which is a, a survey that they'll take. And then I will meet with them um, for a free consultation on the summary report and go through the detail of where they are to develop a roadmap of areas they may work on. So that's that's the long and the short of it. I look forward to talking to anybody. They can visit on small.big.com. Awesome. Well, well, thank you for coming on the prospecting show. And for, again, just as a recap for the people who are listening to this, I mean, Lori and I have a great relationship and uh, we both happen to be local too, which is kind of cool. I actually forgot about that when we started the show, but yes. you know, we got to get up uh, here in uh, Pittsburgh at some point. It's starting to open up a little bit and do that. Uh, maybe socially distance, uh, maybe uh, a restaurant or something like that. There's a great bunch of great opportunities here in Pittsburgh, but yeah, for people who want to like, you know, reach out and, and kind of really learn about what you're doing, what you talked about is great, right? You got this entry-level offers and you kind of got these ascending group coaching one-on-one -on -one, you know all the different offers that you have um, and those can all be found you know by talking to you really um, through small.big.com right so for the people who want to uh, to go there check it out I'll, I'll drop a link in the actual um, 
podcast here so that they can actually click on that and move over to your website. Um, but again, we are going to be releasing almost 100 episodes, actually 101 episodes in the next uh, six days uh, across. We're going to catch up so that the prospecting show will have over 100 episodes um, before the end of the year here. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. This will be launched. Today is uh, the November 4th, and this should be launched in about a week. Um, and I really value your time. And thank you so much for coming on the Prospecting Show. Thanks, Connor. It was really fun. Thanks for having me. Have a great day.